In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. 503 years ago, on the eve of All Saints' Day, October 31st, Martin Luther nailed his 95 theses to the door of the church in Wittenberg. This event is widely recognized as the beginning of the Reformation, but at the time, Martin Luther was not yet a Lutheran. He was angry at the sale of indulgences and was convinced that if the Pope knew, he would be angry too. Luther didn't know that the Pope had authorized the sale of indulgences and was pocketing half the money. Three years later, Martin Luther stood before the most powerful man in the world, Emperor Charles V at the Diet of Worms. By this time, he truly had become a Lutheran. That is to say, he had rediscovered the true gospel and had boldly written and spoken of it throughout all Germany. When commanded to recant his writings, Martin Luther famously answered, My conscience is captive to the word of God. Unless I am convinced by scripture and plain reason, I cannot and will not recant. Here was a man who, as St. Paul says, was not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Following the Diet of Arms, Luther fully expected to be burned at the stake. He was prepared to suffer the loss of all things, including his body and life at the hands of violent men. Yet God had other plans. Luther did not die a martyr. Instead, he would continue to write, teach, and preach for another 25 years. The gospel that had been lost for centuries was boldly proclaimed to Luther's generation, to their children and grandchildren, and so on to you. In Luther's day, violent men attempted to silence the preaching of the gospel with threats, political pressure, and even outright war. But as far as the church is concerned, this was nothing new. Jesus says, from the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven has suffered violence, and the violent take it by force. Our sinful world, which lies in the lap of the wicked one, will always react violently against the truth of Christ. The prophets of the Old Testament were stoned and killed. The apostles were martyred. The early Christians were fed to lions or killed by gladiators. John Huss, a reformer who preceded Luther by a hundred years, was burned at the stake. Countless others, whose consciences were also captive to the word of God, gave their lives for the faith. So it has always been, and so it will be until the final day. As long as our Lord rules his kingdom in grace and not yet in power, the kingdom of heaven will suffer violence and the violent will take it by force. One of the ways that this violence is taking place today is under the guise of the separation of church and state. People are fond of saying, 
Keep the church out of politics. The First Amendment guarantees the freedom of religion, but don't bring your religion into the public square. And if we are willing to accept that religion should have no bearing on political matters, then what is considered to be a political matter? Well, nearly everything. For example, we are told that the church has no business talking about abortion. That's a political matter. What is the definition of marriage? That's also a political matter. Is there a difference between a man and a woman? Don't tell me what God says. It's for the politicians to decide. And don't complain that your religious freedoms are being violated. You can still believe whatever you want in your heart. Just don't try to act out your beliefs in any public way. Keep your religion out of politics and the public sphere. Sadly, the church has largely accepted this violent attack on its domain. Rather than pushing back and saying, life and marriage issues are exactly the business of the church, we will take our stand here on the word of God and suffer whatever persecutions come as a result of it, we have ceded ground until nearly nothing remains to the church. We are told, believe whatever you want, but don't you dare speak out on what you believe. And so we have remained silent. Those few who do speak out, such as the Christian actor Chris Pratt, who is currently being vilified on Twitter, are isolated and immediately silenced. I fear that the devil's latest campaign to silence the gospel will end up being the most effective in the history of the church. Feeding Christians to lions didn't actually work that well. Instead, the church grew, corrupting the church from the inside out and suppressing the gospel through the papacy didn't work either. God raised up Martin Luther and brought about the Reformation. But give Christians cozy houses and nice cars, give them lucrative careers and respectable positions, and they won't dare speak out for fear of losing these things. Today I am going to speak out on a subject close at hand, one that is often considered out of bounds for the church. That is the election. Most of you know very well that I hardly ever speak about politics from the pulpit. But it's not always possible to compartmentalize our lives. Faith must be lived out. Even so, I imagine that some people here may be unhappy with what I have to say. I invite you, please, to speak with me after the service or at some point during the week. I'll begin by saying that God is neither a Republican nor a Democrat, and neither are you. You might be registered as one of these, but that is not who you are. Before any other affiliation, you are, first of all, a baptized child of God. You are a citizen of the kingdom of heaven. 
This is where your true allegiance lies. People often say, as an American, you have the freedom to vote your conscience. This is true. You are free to vote according to your conscience. But I am here to remind you this morning that your conscience is not free. As a subject of the kingdom of God, your conscience is bound to follow the word of God. Here I stand, Luther said, I can do no other. My conscience is captive to the word of God. You too must be prepared to take your stand upon God's word, even if it means you will suffer as a result, even if you will suffer the loss of all things. So how does a conscience that is captive to the word of God vote? There are many issues at stake in this election or in any election, but some are far more important than others. God's word does not bind your conscience to vote for or against any particular health plan. You are free to choose whether or not you want us to drill for oil in national parks. If the different candidates merely represented varying ideas about how best to run the government, Christians would be free to vote for either platform. Sadly, this is not the case. There are three issues that we are dealing with that far outweigh every other concern. The right to life, the sanctity of marriage, and the freedom to worship God. And of these three, the first is by far the most important. It is my duty to tell you that as a Christian, you cannot Vote for a platform that promotes the murder of children. Compared to this single issue, nothing else matters. Even the sanctity of life and the right to the free exercise of religion take a back seat compared to this. God's word says, you shall not murder. Abortion is murder. You cannot do it. You cannot support it. You cannot vote for it. Your conscience is bound. Certainly there are many other issues at play in this election. Health care, taxes, foreign policy, immigration, etc. Christians are free to disagree on these issues. And it used to be that Christians could vote for either platform while still being pro-life. But those days are long gone. The party that supports abortion has chosen to be the party of death. They have wholeheartedly embraced the murder of 61 million babies, even supporting legislation that allows for abortion up to the moment before birth. Christians must oppose this. And if that means giving up your health care, so be it. If it means losing your retirement portfolio, so be it. These things do not matter when balanced against the slaughter of the innocents. We truly do live in evil days. Lord Jesus, 
come quickly. The fact that the conscience of a Christian is compelled to vote for those who seek to end abortion does not mean that we should put our trust in princes and rulers. All politicians are self-serving. All men are liars. Their words are vain, their promises empty. Perhaps our country was great once because its founding principles were closely aligned with the Ten Commandments, but no longer. The right man in the Oval Office cannot make America great again. The only hope for our dying world that descends deeper into madness every day is Christ and his kingdom. Let me remind you of the words we sang last week. Trust not in rulers, they are but mortal. Earthborn they are and soon decay. Vain are their counsels at life's last portal when the dark grave engulfs its prey. Since mortals can no help afford, place all your trust in Christ our Lord. Alleluia. So yes, vote your conscience, remembering that your conscience is captive to the word of God. Do not put your possessions and comfort above the lives of your neighbor. Instead, you must, as a Christian, be willing to suffer the loss of all things for the sake of the gospel and the kingdom of God. And never forget, you may live in the United States, You may be a citizen of a worldly kingdom run by sinful politicians and corrupt, self-seeking men. But this is not your true home, nor your true allegiance. You are first a citizen of Christ's kingdom, and your baptism is the official passport that guarantees you entry into heaven. Unlike every earthly monarch, Christ did not serve himself. Instead, he gave up his own life on the cross for us, his unworthy subjects. Unlike every politician, our Lord has never lied nor failed to keep any of his promises. And so in the midst of this dark world, As the kingdom of God suffers violence at the hands of violent men, we cling to hope, waiting for the final revelation of Christ's kingdom in glory and power. That will be the true day of reformation when our Lord says, Behold, I make all things new. And in faith we answer, Amen. Even so, come quickly, Lord Jesus. In his name, amen.